up everybody you're now tuned into the true definition of a sports fanatic i'm your host brandon lampley well back at it again today we gotta talk about the super bowl people and my prediction came true i predicted the chiefs would win i said well, they win by a touchdown by seven they won by 11 so they upped me by four points but I, i'm not gonna lie i was sweating especially when they were down 20 to 10 and going into the fourth quarter and just Patrick Mahomes just looked like he couldn't get comfortable all game because that defensive line from San Francisco was relentless. Uh, like Nick Bosa was out there just steamrolling Eric Fisher early. I think for the first snap, offensive snap for the Kansas City Chiefs, he drove Eric Fisher into the lap of Patrick Mahomes. And that was pretty much the first three quarters, man. Patrick could not get comfortable. That D-line was relentless. They were playing tight coverage on the back end. It was a great game plan by Robert Sala and the San Francisco 49ers. But it is a game of adjustments. And Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy made some adjustments. And you could tell the 49ers defense, especially down the stretch in the fourth, they didn't have much left in the tank. Because the pass rush went away. Now, of course, Kansas City did a few things to negate some of the pass rush, but they went hurry up. And before you know it, man, it was middle of the fourth quarter, and I knew that that San Francisco defense couldn't stop anybody because once it hit it hit twenty to ten, and then Kansas City went down and scored and made it twenty to seventeen. I said, "Oh man, here it comes. Here we go." Then I saw the um, the interception. And the wide open missed touchdown by Jimmy Garoppolo. Emmanuel Sanders, dude, dude, Kyle Shanahan drew up a great play. And Emmanuel Sanders is just streaking towards the end zone. And Jimmy Garoppolo just overthrows him. Like that's a legacy throw. You have to make that throw so you can go up 10. Think what about five minutes left in the game? But he didn't make the throw. Gave the ball right back to the Chiefs. And from there, it was on. There was no doubt in my mind. I was like, if they don't score here, Kansas City come back and win this game. And, of course, they scored. Made it 24-20. to Then the 49ers get the ball back. And I said, well, the game in Garoppolo's hands. And I said from the beginning, you put the ball in Garoppolo's hands and ask him to go win you the game. That's going to be an issue. And that's exactly what happened. He did not deliver. Kansas City gets the ball back, goes right down the field and score with that. I think it's like a 36-yard run by Damian Williams, who should have been the MVP of the game, first running back in Super Bowl history to have a receiving and rushing touchdown. No disrespect to Patrick Mahomes, but for three, three-plus quarters, looked like crap. He wasn't playing well. Probably his worst game as a pro until they hit the fourth quarter. So Damian Williams definitely should have been MVP. But San Francisco had this game won. I mean, you did they just did not capitalize when they had chances to score. I said that you have to score touchdowns because Kansas City can get hot at any time. And sure enough, it was 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter. And that right there, that that lets me know that number one, San Francisco didn't run the ball enough. Because they were killing Raheem Mostert. Every time he touched the ball, got about seven yards, seemed like. From uh, Tevin Coleman, 
Debo Samuel. They could not stop the run. And, of course, Shanahan down the stretch went away from it. And then this what tells you that he doesn't fully trust Jimmy Garoppolo because they botched up the end of the first half uh, possession going in halftime. You have three timeouts and I think 75 seconds to work with. And the result was nothing. You put no points on the board. Where three timeouts and 75 seconds, Patrick Mahomes going down the field to attempt at least to get a field goal on the board. Brady is going down the field to at least get a field goal on the board. Breeze is going downfield. You name a lot of quarterbacks, they're going down the field. Now, they hit the one big play to Kittle, but he pushed off. They called it back, kneel the ball, going to halftime. That was pathetic. But I'm not going to not gonna rain too much on Jimmy Garoppolo because it's, it's not all on him. He carries a lot, but the bottom fell out of the defense late. And Kyle Shanahan went away from what won him games. He went away from the run. He did it. This is the second time of him doing that in the Super Bowl. First time, of course, was the infamous 28-3 against the Falcons, and the Patriots came back on him. When they went up 28-3, Kyle Shanahan ran the ball nine total times after that. I would have ran the ball 30 times. I don't care. We would have ran clock and ran clock and ran clock. But I am glad to see Andy Reid get him one. It's been a long time coming, man. He was all he's I wouldn't say he has been like a forgotten coach when you come to talk about the top coaches in the league, but because of his stumbles in the playoffs, I don't don't really hear people speak about him that way. But people tend to forget when his I think 14, 14 to 15 years in Philadelphia, he went to five straight NFC championship games and went to a Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots, of course. But guy's a great coach, special coach. And partly, I think it's he's had good quarterbacks. Don't get me wrong. Donovan McNabb was was good. He he bore he was borderline great at times. But is Donovan McNabb a Hall of Famer? Eh, that's debatable. I don't know if he'll ever get in. Uh, same with Alex Smith. Alex Smith is not a Hall of Famer. He was a decent quarterback. And he could win you 10, 11 games per year. But hey, when it hit the fan and you get into the playoffs, um, Alex Smith turned back into Alex Smith. So now he has a truly, truly special quarterback and Patrick Mahomes, who you can make an argument that he should be. They should be back to back Super Bowl champions right now, because if D Ford doesn't line up offsides, they beat the Patriots. They go to the Super Bowl, and they most likely beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. So you could be talking about a league MVP and two-time Super Bowl champion in Patrick Mahomes, possibly. A league MVP and a Super Bowl MVP, I mean, with a decade plus of time to go. I mean, I don't want to put too much on it, but he has the potential to be one of the best to ever do it. I mean, that's the path that he's on currently. And it's amazing because watching him at Texas Tech, I mean, I thought he was a decent quarterback, but I didn't see this. I didn't even see really boom or bust. When he went first round, I was kind of surprised. Well, not surprised he went first round, but when he was getting consideration to go first round, 
And I was like, man, is he is he really that good? They really think he's going to be this good? And then he went 12 to Kansas City, which I thought was high. I was like, man, hmm. Because I was I was I like Deshaun Watson in that draft. And of course the Jaguars drafted Leonard Fournette and passed on both of them. But we're not gonna go there. We're gonna talk about them later. But I was like, man, they, they took this kid really high. So they believed something. And he sat that first year and I think ended up playing that week. 17 game, the last game of the year uh, before the playoffs because they sat Alex Smith and a lot of their starters to prepare for the playoffs, and he played well. And then he came out like gangbusters in 2018, throwing for 50 touchdowns, winning league MVP, almost went to the, a game away from the Super Bowl. If it wasn't for the offsides. And now he's a Super Bowl uh, winner and MVP. The 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 ceiling ceiling is incredibly high for Patrick Mahomes, and let's not forget about San Francisco. If Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy, um, they they're looking at a a long time of sustained success of playoff football, especially if they can keep the defensive side of the ball um, in tip top shape with moving pieces in and out and keeping that defense um, up. Because as long as Kyle Shanahan is your head coach or play caller, you're going to score points. So as long as you, as long as you have a defense that can choke teams out in the fourth and Shanahan with the, that outside zone scheme can run the football, they're going to win games in San Francisco. And, dude, man, I pull for the Chiefs too because I didn't want to hear Richard Sherman Talking crap about people that talk crap to buy them or doubted them or all of that, and because that at a certain point it just got annoying. Like, okay, Richard, we get it. People weren't on the bandwagon. People didn't get it. I, I got it. I got it. I got it. But I will say, the beef between him and Darrell Revis. If you haven't really looked at that or seen that, just go to Twitter or go to um, go to BSO Black Sports online. Um, go on Twitter and search or search that story online. And look at the beef between Darrell Revis and Richard Sherman, man. It's absolutely hilarious. When uh, when Richard Sherman got beat by Sammy Watkins late in the game in the Super Bowl, you know, someone tweeted out, they're like, someone please check on Darrell Revis right now. Because I know he's just on the floor. Uh, it's hard to breathe. He in absolute stitches. Because they go back and forth because Darrell Revis was your – quintessential corner no help over the top man-to-man corner Richard is more of a zone corner he really doesn't travel stay on one side of the field and he plays zone he can't really play man-to-man all that much especially with speedsters because he's not that fast but they won't they went back and forth man and I think Richard got burned by Devontae Adams late in the uh, late in the game against Green Bay and then he got burnt in the Super Bowl against um, Sammy Watkins late in the game. Sammy And Sammy just gave him a little move. And he Richard bit so hard he chipped his tooth. And all it was was him running behind the Sammy Watkins because you can't run with any of those receivers from Kansas City. That's why they call him the Legion of Zoom. But now as for the other things surrounding the Super Bowl, the halftime show was okay. I mean, it's, I, I like Shakira. Jennifer Lopez is meh. But hey, they had a target crowd, and that's they were in Miami, so 
you know, the Latin crowd with that music and stuff. That was a target crowd, I guess, or whatever. But the halftime show wasn't for me. But, you know, it was okay. And the commercials, I think, were pretty subpar. Um, the best commercial was the NFL uh, 100 commercial where they had the uh, kid, uh, his name is Max, I think Maxwell Young. And he has the, the blonde hair like um, Odell Beckham used to have. And in the commercial, he's playing on the sandlot with some kids. And he put down, uh, make a bunch of moves. And Jim Brown sitting and watching him. He's like, take it to the house, kid. And then he just starts running, going through every NFL city. Um, you see different NFL legends and NFL players. And um, towards the end of the commercial, you see him, he's like walking up the tunnel with all the, uh, with some of the NFL uh, 100 team. And they hand him the ball, say, so you know what to do. And he comes running out of the tunnel at the actual Super Bowl. And that's like the, the toward the end of the commercial where he's actually running out of the tunnel with a bunch of kids into the Super Bowl and hands the ball to the ref. Best commercial of the Super Bowl by far. But all in all, it was a good show. Um, it always makes me sad because that's the last bit of football, NFL football, we'll get until August, of course. But I did get to catch a little bit of the XFL. Um, it's not a new league. It's um league that's come back that ran for a year back in 2001 headed by Vince McMahon and the commissioner is uh, Oliver Luck father of former coach quarterback Andrew Luck uh, but from what I saw man it, it looks like it's looked like it's legit and it has staying power I thought that with the AAF it looked like legit football but they had issues with TV contracts and I think I, I forgot what episode I talked about it um but if you go back and look on the, um, the episodes list, I talked about why the AAF folded and, you know, the whole fallout from that. And looked like it could be a good league, but hey, it's gone now. But um, I think Vince McMahon having gone through this already and seen what he needs to do, and he's been plotting on this for 20 years. Um, I think they have, I think, dotted all their I's and crossed all their T's for this. So I think we should see that. Should see XFL um, at least. I think we should see XFL at least for this first full season. Then, you know, we'll go from there. Because already they've sold more tickets in their first week than the AAF sold for their entire season. I think AAF played eight or nine games. So we'll see how it goes. But now I'm going to switch it up. And I got to talk about need to talk about, don't want to talk about Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, last week, report came out that they're going to have two home games in London now. So they're taking another home game away because they have this project in Lot J near the Jaguar Stadium where they're trying to get built up. It's supposed to be like $700 plus million dollars. The city's only contributing like 233 to it. Jaguars got to come up with the rest. And they say they make double their revenue for a home game in London than they do here in Jacksonville. And so that's why he's moving two games over there. Now, I'm going to say this with all due respect to Shah Khan. We don't care. We don't care about your bottom line. We're football fans. 
not finance fans. All we care about is you putting a winning product on the field. And if you put a winning product on the field, you don't have to play games in London. You don't. No other franchise needs to play games in London. And yeah, I, I get all of that and what you're trying to do and this and that third, but that ain't got nothing to do with the fans. And see, then and then you have the voice of the Jaguars, Brian Sexton, talking about Jacksonville didn't deserve a team and other cities got robbed of this team. Are you serious? I don't even know where Brian Sexton is from, but I bet you my bottom dollar he's not a, a, a native Floridian. I almost felt like the, the little, what's the little girl, uh, Greta Thunberg, who's talking about the climate change. She's like, how dare you? How dare you? I say a lot more masculine than that, but yeah, Brian Sexton, how dare you? And then Shah Khan keep he's done another interview and he's not helping his case. We don't care about you making more money in the London games. And don't try to shame fans into supporting a product that's subpar. And the early rumblings I'm hearing out of the UK with the fan base that's over there is that they're not excited about a second Jaguars game. You already giving me poop. Don't give me a second helping to poop. Please don't. But once again, this, it, this seems to be a running theme for Jaguars football, man. And this, this just lets me know that Shot Khan is not really a football guy. Now, he probably was a fan and fell in love with the game and followed it and things like that, but he's not a true football guy. Because his the first thing... The first thing, the only thing, it should be about winning. And if you're about winning, number one, you don't run it back with Doug Marone and David Caldwell. You don't. You clean house and you hire an entire new coaching staff and you change the culture. Because obviously the culture now is one, it's not very good. And it's a losing culture. Now, I can't blame him for hiring Tom Coughlin because I was excited about Tom Coughlin coming here. But that came back to bite us because Tom Coughlin, once again, the disciplinary he is, his way or the highway, and that ended up being very bad. So, okay, you admit your mistakes there, and you let him go. You got to let David Caldwell go, and you have to let Doug Marone go. But, okay, it's fine. You kept him. For whatever reason, you like him, you wanted to keep him, and you want to give him this year. So, really, they're lame duck head coach and GM because if they don't make the playoffs, they're fired. At least that's what it should be anyway. But all this goes back to all those promises that Shah Khan made about his commitment to excellence, his commitment to winning. And he's going back on his word numerous times now. And once again, we're going, we are going to, once again, we are going to keep losing out on young, prominent talent. It doesn't matter. Guys like Jalen Ramsey, guys like uh, Allen Robinson, guys like Telvin Smith, guys like Yannick Ngakwe will not want to be a part of the Jaguars and want to move on. Because not only are you a losing franchise, but now, they got to play two games in London. And then on top of that, you don't want to pay people. 
because they should have paid Jalen. You should have paid Yannick Ngakwe by now, and you should have paid Allen Robinson. But no, what you do? You pay Blake Bortles and Nick Foles. It's freaking ridiculous, man. But besides all that bad news, had a, some good news. Uh, Shah Khan did speak about Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell, hoping that both of them will be able to return for the 2020 season. I mean, I could see them if you're letting Campbell walk because he is 34, but under no circumstance do you let Yannick Ngakwe get out the door. He's 24 years old, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I think he leads the league in turnovers um, since he's come into the league with uh, strip sacks, you know, forced fumbles. I think he has like one or two interceptions. So you have you you got to get Yannick Ngakwe under contract. And then also they hired Jay Gruden um, as offensive coordinator. And as a head coach, of course, Jay Gruden was up and down, mostly down in Washington, of course. But um, I think he's a great offensive mind, and I think he will help this offense tremendously. Even though I did like DiFilippo, I'm not going to lie. I did like um, John DiFilippo. But I think Jay Gruden can get the job done. I mean, because really, it's sink or swim now. I mean, there's no more excuses. There's not. Winning is everything. Well, enough about my Jacksonville can't get rights. Move on to some NFL news and notes. Oh, saw that Phillip Rivers and the Chargers are mutually parting ways. And it's always funny when I see that, um, when someone say they mutually decided to part ways. A lot of times, um, really what that means is the Chargers are like, hey, bro, we ain't bringing you back. But we're going to say that you decided you didn't want to come back and we decided we didn't want to have you back. But that's what it comes down to. Phillip Rivers was not good last year. Now, he might have, still have something left in the tank. But, I mean, at times, man, he just the ball just seems to die in the air. And way too many turnovers. I know, like, for quarterbacks, I've always heard that they turn the ball over a lot when they're young. And they turn the ball over a lot when they're old. Um, but I, th- I think Phillip Rivers eh, could give you another a good year or two, depending on where he goes. Um, because even though the Chargers, they did face a lot of injuries, that still was one of the best rosters in the league. I had that roster up there with the Philadelphia Eagles roster. Um, I think it was the, the Minnesota Vikings roster. I think in the Patriots roster. I mean, we're talking about top-notch rosters. Oh, also I saw um, Taysom Hill, Saints, QB, slash everyman, slash Swiss Army Knife, slash spatula, slash egg beater. Um, He wants to be a quarterback, and he's willing to leave the Saints to be that. Now I I don't I don't know if Taysom Hill is a can be a star quarterback. I mean he's been a good gadget guy and he's been good in spots, but somebody brought up the point that um, I think Breeze missed four or five weeks, and during those four or five weeks, Taysom Hill threw one pass for 18 yards. Teddy Bridgewater was the guy, 
if the Saints thought that Taysom Hill was the guy, could be the guy, he would have had more of a chance to display his talents at quarterback. But I think he should stay exactly what he is. He's a gadget guy, similar to what probably Tebow should have been in the NFL. But Tebow's selfish. He wanted to fulfill his dream of being a quarterback when he's not a quarterback. He's really a fullback or H-back masquerading as a quarterback. And I'm not saying that that's what Taysom Hill is because I think he has way more arm talent. But him being a every down drop back passer, I don't see it. And people were comparing him to Lamar Jackson. Man, nah, man. That, that's You're comparing rhubarb pie to sweet potato. Yeah, it's still pie, but it's not as good. But overall, I don't really see a seat that's open where a franchise is going to take a chance on him. If it's not New Orleans, then I don't know where else it would be because he's 29 years old. I mean, it's going to be a lot of uh, QBs on the market. This is probably the worst time for him to be a free agent quarterback because just to top off the list, um, even though some of them might not um, be free agents and they might get re-signed before free agency starts, but as it stands now, they're set to be free agents. Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill, Phillip Rivers, Marcus Mariota, I mean, Jameis Winston. So if I'm going to pick up a quarterback, all of those guys come before Taysom Hill, even Mariota, who can't stay healthy for a whole game. And not only is he competing with current NFL quarterbacks, I mean, just look at the crop of young quarterbacks that's getting ready to come into the league. Joe Burrow's predicted to go number one to Cincinnati. You got Tua, who's supposed to be going top five, most likely to Miami at five. Jordan Love projected to go number six to the uh, Chargers. You got Justin Herbert projected to go 13 to the Colts. So, I mean, there's no way I'm taking a chance on Taysom Hill being my starter with all this talent that's going to be out there. Now I'm going to switch up topics a little bit and I'll talk a little bit about Kobe Bryant before I go. On my last podcast, I talked about his life and how he impacted me, um, his daughter and the other seven members who passed in the um, helicopter crash. Um, it's been kind of a firestorm since his death with those who, who you know, remember him and who know, knew him best and talk, you know, kindly of him. Then you've had his detractors and his critics and those who've come out against him. And it hasn't been many, but it's been enough to where it's been, it's caused a ruckus. One of the biggest ones was Gail King. She did an interview with Lisa Leslie. And in that interview, they showed like about a, a minute 40 clip of her interview with Lisa Leslie. And she's kind of like poking and prodding Lisa Leslie into defaming one of her best friends, which was Kobe Bryant. And since that clip, people have been going at Gail King. I mean, you had Oprah on some television show being interviewed and she was talking about how Gail is suffering and she's getting death threats and, um, you know, she's not doing well. And she tried to, you know, cry and give some crocodile tears, but eyes were as dry as the Sahara Desert. No tears were formed in Oprah's eyes because I always try to fake cry to um, get sympathy. But even though um, Gail shouldn't have done that, and I disagree with how she went about it, she is a journalist and she is a host. I mean, it is her job to ask tough questions. Um, and my issue is, is that 
they went at her with a lot of vitriol. Um, even Snoop Dogg, he went after her and, and he didn't have to say all those things. Matt Barnes went after her. A lot of people have gone after her. Um, but I mean that really that's anybody who said anything. And I think um, they went after her so hard because she is a black woman trying to defame a black man. And her best friend happens to be Oprah, who seems to have want to do the same thing. I mean, you want to defame Michael Jackson and leave in Neverland. She was getting ready to do a documentary on Russell Simmons about his pending uh, allegations of sexual assault. But she had nothing for Jeffrey Epstein, nothing for Harvey Weinstein and nothing from uh, that guy from South America. Come to find out he was trafficking girls in South America. Can't remember his name, but um, that's where the vitriol comes from. I mean, leave Kobe Bryant alone. Let him rest. I mean, you're going to judge a man based off what was possibly his worst day on this planet, as if he didn't grow, as if he didn't make amends, as if he didn't become a better person over time. You know, let sleeping dogs lie. Please, people. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is my time. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. All the platforms, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor, CastBox, Radio Public, Breaker, even if you all have on YouTube, um, share me all over. Follow me on all my social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm never on there, but I also have Snapchat, so follow me. But until next time, I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.